Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Today we're going to talk about metagaming. I like to call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't know if Saul will use that title, but... The good, the bad. Yes, of course. That sounds fantastic. So what is metagaming, Jolene? Metagaming is when a character uses player knowledge. Is, are you sure it's not the other way around? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the player has... I don't know. <laughs> the player, the character uses player knowledge, yes. I got you. You're right. Things uh, that the character wouldn't know. Oh, that's right. I don't know what I was thinking. And that's it. That's simple. Pretty simple. No Most fun. definitions are simple. <laughs> For me, the the bane of of metagaming is the, our topic, right? You know, usually you say the good, the bad, the ugly, but I'm going to focus on the bad, right? So usually it's considered bad metagaming, right? You don't want to do it in role playing games. It's really seen as it really has some negative connotations, right? Well. Let's talk about what, what it really is. So you fail your perception check. Then you get your knives out anyway, or your your axes as you're going down the road. <laughs> One, why? Because the GM said that you needed to do a perception check, right? So you're automatically on, on high alert. <laughs> All because of the check, even though you failed it. Even though you failed yeah. it, and you, your your character knows there's has no clue that there's anything wrong. It should just be riding down the road on their horse, right? But Right. Your play as a player, you have drawn your swords or your axes or your daggers or whatever, because you're ready for anything. Gotcha. Yes. That's so there's, that's that's a, that's pretty that's pretty good. So that's metagaming, right? Oh yeah. Because you're you're doing it. And what is another thing? The most the, one of the most common things is that you're using player skills versus character skills, right? Yes. So the fighter who has an eight intelligence or nine intelligence is telling the wizard or charismatic sorceress or whatever yeah wizards are intelligent usually they have like an 18 or something pretty high level pretty high stat what they should do or how to do Uh, or or what they need to do as a party how they should play this out you're right you're right you're you're thinking about i'm thinking about that that barbarian right who comes from the frozen tundra and uh he decides that he wants to build a trebuchet right right i'm like "Uh, no oh why not i'm a warrior uh yeah but you're like i was savage you know from the frozen tundra and you don't have siege technology up there how would you build one let's say you're t- the player is a uh, mechanical engineer so he would literally be able to build at least draw out or figure out how a trebuchet would work but the character <laughs> doesn't know how to do yeah. that so that's that's metagaming and yes. uh, i want i don't want to say the worst but the the biggest thing about metagaming is when you're as a player you know what the monster is that you're fighting. Right. And you use that knowledge that your character wouldn't have to know what their weaknesses are and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. That's terrible. In fact, some players I read will actually look up on their phone <laughs> what the monster is. They have that technology. Yes. So why do we dislike metagaming, right? I figured out there's a few reasons. There might be more, but these are the ones that I really came up with. One, it breaks immersion, right? If you're trying to role play an immersive role playing session, and some player keeps coming up with these wild or really good ideas, but something that their character wouldn't or couldn't possibly come up with because they don't have the knowledge base or the character now doesn't have the knowledge base to have those kind of ideas. Now, I'm not talking about ideas like, you know, we should go west because. Blah, 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 right? I'm talking about definitely the weaknesses of monsters that they've never met or encountered. And possibly never 
have heard about. I'm thinking like people are, are uh, familiar with Robert Jordan. The main characters come from this small village and they don't even believe in monsters, right? The monsters are, the, I think they call them Trollocs. Trollocs. Trollocs, whatever. They're almost mythical, right? They don't even believe that they exist. They don't believe that you know, it's, it's something to scare uh, little children with, like the boogeyman, you know. But in, in reality, they do exist uh, in, in, the, in that reality. And so they were... When they go out and get, or when they get attacked by these monsters, they're actually shocked and, and scared and all these other things. Where players, if they're metagaming, they go, oh, I know what that is. I know how to kill it. I'll use cold steel with uh, blah, blah, blah to make sure, you know, to make them run away. Well, you know, if you're playing those village kids or farmers, you know, they don't have that kind of knowledge or, you know, it's lost to them or, or whatever. It breaks the immersion of the game and it can be really annoying. So... That's one of the reasons why we don't want to do it. And and th another thing is it's not really role-playing, right? You're ro not role-playing that role of the character. If you're coming up with these, coming up with inf information that character could not know, coming up with ideas that that character could not possibly come up with, like a, building a trebuchet or knowing how to build a trebuchet. You could say, oh, we should build one of those big old things that lobs boulders over, over walls. I've seen one. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to build one. I mean, I wouldn't know how to build one. I guess I could if I trial and error and stuff. <laughs> Annoying or disturbing other players. Some people really like to be immersed, right? They really like to be in character and play as much as possible. And if you have a, another player who's like always coming up with all these wall things and coming out of nowhere, you're like, oh, oh, well, you know, here I am trying to play in character and... And Bob over here is building a phase pistol in my medieval setting and slaying the whole army while I'm here working with my spell. You know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't seem fair to other players. Other players might get a little bit upset about that. And I have something here that says Jolene's player cooperation. What does that oh. mean? Well, when you look at the bad things about metagaming, you talked about the first one. The, it destroys the separation between the player world and the the real world or the the real world yes or the you know yeah the player's world versus the game world so you talked about that a little bit how but player cooperation is you know like in a story lord of the rings we just watched that yesterday the, <laughs> fellowship, the of fellowship of the ring and when they get to the the walls of moria and the door appears in the moonlight oh, yeah. uh aragorn doesn't try to break it down he lets the wizard look at it and figure out what's going on right because oh, it's a, a magical thing yes so player cooperation is allowing everybody in the party to do their thing whatever they're in the spotlight yeah as they say. yeah so if you're metagaming and not letting people do what they want to do or not allowing them to have that opportunity if you're telling people everything that's going on then it's not going to be so much fun for for other players gotcha you, you kind of uh, just you're hogging everything you're hogging time you're always coming up with these ideas that that are out of character, and if there's another character that ha should have that knowledge, you're kind of you know running roughshod over their spotlight time. And the other bad thing about metagaming is, why are you playing if you do you are you playing to enjoy the world, to have fun, or are you playing to win something? Mm. Right. Yes. The idea that you're gonna use knowledge outside of the game, which people do because you have it in your head, right? Right. But how much of that do you want to use versus do you want to be more immersed in the, the world that you're in it, to have fun? Or are you, are you there to have fun? Or are you there to just to win, kill the monsters and take their stuff, which a lot of people are, but yes. So <laughs> there you go. 
you're right. I, I I hadn't thought of that. This idea that they have to win, and there's all kinds of reasons I think that happens. Certain players ha- feel that that that's the goal of, is they're, they're winning. You know, whatever it is, figuring out what the mystery is, getting the gold, killing the monster. Yeah, a lot of people are driven by that fact. That they yes. want to accomplish whatever the thing is. So under the good, I see no goods. So Jolene, tell me the good about. Okay, game. I. <laughs> Is not this is not me. These are oh, things I've you. looked up. Oh, oh okay. Sure. There are people out there who believe that metagaming can be good for a certain reason. One of the things is say so say the guy built the trebuchet. I, I don't like that example. Say the guy kills the, the hill giant. Oh, and yes. he probably shouldn't know what the hill giant's weaknesses are or whatever. Right. So instead of instead of saying, Oh, you can't do that because you don't know, your character wouldn't know that. You could say, Well, that's a great idea and you came up with a great idea. Can you explain to me how you have that knowledge or how you, how you came across that? So then you open up the, the role playing aspect of it to allow that person to give you why Raynor's character knows how to kill hill giants because his family was killed by them. And he spent 10 years of his life figuring out and talking to people about or, or, what their weaknesses yeah, are. Studying and, yeah. That makes sense. That's, that's so, so that's a, an idea that you can turn the tables around. So he was metagaming at the beginning, but you're forcing the, the player and character to give you a reason why, right? Yeah, that's pretty which, good. Which would, would, would enhance the game in a way. Oh, definitely. It would, it, it would, and it would also turn around the, the bad part of it, right? Yeah, the negative aspect of metagaming. And then you're giving the, the GM a, and the rest of the players a reason why your character would know that information. And not just, oh, because I read it in a book called The Monster Manual. So that might. <laughs> so that would help build the character knowledge and from player knowledge, right? We I, all have player knowledge and we're all going to. This guy said, and I don't remember his name, but I was reading an article about it. He said that everybody has the whatever knowledge you come with, right? So you might as well, unless you're playing a really stupid character or a character that would have, would not know that at all, right? Right then you could build the player knowledge into your character knowledge to enhance the game and make it more role-playing aspects. Now, I'm not saying you need to have that. I, I don't find metagaming enjoyable for, like, when you're fighting monsters and stuff. I can't stand when someone at the table goes, oh, that's a, a Balrock, and this is what we have to do to kill it. Yes, that's terrible. I, I don't... I don't or... When that character has never come across something. Like right. And, and the question is, is how, how will that information be disseminated? If a Balrog is so difficult to kill, how can how can how to kill a Balrog easy? That information out there, right? Right. Well, and then the idea of how realistic do you want the simulation to be? Do you want it to be so realistic that the players have no knowledge of it, or do you want it to be a good story? Are you are you trying to? So, so these are the aspects that people talk about. Metagaming could bring good things into it, right? Yes. Yes. So. Is not necessarily the realism you're going for, but a good story. Those kind of things, right? That makes yeah, that makes sense. And then the other one that I could say would be may or may not be good is this guy says that say there's a player who an actual player at the table who is shy and doesn't take right, a lot of time right, in the spotlight. Right, right. Somehow, could you get your character to get that person to be included in the game, right? To to have more time in the spotlight yes. by interacting with them and stuff. 
Right. By How player knowledge, yeah. player knowledge, not character knowledge, get that other player's character involved in the scene more. I remember that from Dresden Files. There was there was this woman who had young lady, I should say. She had hadn't played very much, <laughs> and she was there with a friend, and and they more or less coaxed her to play. And she was very quiet, you know, didn't enter inter, interact very much. And so when I asked, her, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" She would like, you know, she was like, like a deer in headlights. She would just freeze up. I go, "Okay, you know, think about it." I'll come back to you, and if you come, you know. And so slowly, yeah, you know, and I wouldn't say she came out of the show that much, but slowly, you know, by the toward the end of the game, she started talking more. She started interacting with other players too, you know. And I thought, and other players helped her, helped in that because, like, well, I don't know that, but maybe such and such does. And so, and that's play, that's metagaming, right? So to a certain extent, you know, they're trying to force her to come to the table and interact with everybody. And uh, and whether and sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't, but it was a college try by the by the other players, and I thought that was really nice. And I thought, and it was something that you know may or may not have been meta gaming. I think it sort of falls on the meta gaming side because it was it, some of that information was was certainly available to that character, the one that was trying to get the other character or the other player to come out and and talk and interact with the group. And I thought it was pretty neat. I think uh, you're right. I think I hadn't thought of that aspect of metagaming being a positive, but you're right. Well, I guess it depends on who the players are. Like if you're playing with a bunch of GMs, they might f- realize that that person is shy, right? right. And want to try to help them out. Well, there was no, no doubt that this person was shy. She hardly talked. You know, it was like pulling teeth to get her to interact with things or to even just talk. And so... You know, I would ask her those real simple questions. Oh, are you, what are you going like, to, I would say, what are you going to do? And she would like, had no idea. So I would give her like three options, options. you know, like you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Oh, I'll do that. Okay. So roll this, it's nice. And so it was moderate Dresden, so it was pretty easy. That And that's a way to get players involved, right? To try to, if if they're shy and, or they've, it's the first time they've ever played, right. they might be intimidated by a bunch well, of. Well, then I might not know how to do yeah. it, right? Yeah. How do you play? You know, I'm just. I'm sitting here in front of a table in front of a bunch of people, and you guys are like talking about a bunch of weird stuff. I have no idea. I mean, they may not. I mean, they may have an idea of what a role playing game is if they've really never played before. You know, some people say, "Oh yeah, I've heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I've always wanted to play that game." I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, "Wow." You know, it kind of comes across every once in a while when people find out what my hobbies are, and then I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure." But you know, but some of them have no clue as to what Dungeons and Dragons is. They're thinking like cartoon. It depends on where they, where they're getting their information from. That's very funny. So metagaming, yes, the good. I hadn't thought about those aspects. Obviously, you know, there's a was it two sides to every silver coin? lining. Silver lining. <laughs> no, it's two sides to every coin. Every dark. Co- <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have the good, the 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 good, the bad, and uh, the ugly. What do you consider ugly? Okay, so players who constantly or excessively that do metagaming can really upset the GM, right? Like the the guy who read, the people who read the the monster manual forwards and backwards, and they're constantly you know fighting you on on things that the that monster your monster could do or couldn't could do. do, right? Or or they're using that knowledge to kill the monster, right? Oh, this this, this certain monster is all susceptible to fire. I'm gonna light a torch and I'm gonna shove it in his face every time it gets near me, and I'm actually gonna hit it with the torch, you know? So, oh, oh, yeah, but you're a swordsman or you're a wizard. Why don't you just throw your your you know, spells or whatever? Uh, oh, I don't know. So that could get tiring. 
And, you know, for me, players have been known to make mistakes. And if you make a mistake and then you do that on top of it, you know, oh, I know that I'm not sure that monster can do that. I go, yes, it can. Oh, I'm not sure it can. I'm the GM, remember? This actually happened to me a long time ago. And it was really strange because I hadn't really, I just said, you know, one, I'm the GM, right? I hate to say, but I in control of the world. I'm an old-fashioned GM. But I'm also, I don't think I'm an adversarial, I don't think I'm an adversarial GM. And so, I don't, I don't play that kind of game. And I was really shocked that this player was insisting that this monster couldn't do what I said it was doing. And it was something really simple. It was like, this was probably Pathfinder by this point. And it was like, I don't think that's a... I think it was 3.0. Might have been 3.0. Uh, I, I don't think that's a natural ability. It's a special ability. And there's reasons, different reasons, you know, why that matters. In the longer scheme of things, it didn't. But the person was adamant, right? And I'm like, oh, no. And, and then the funny thing is, is that, is that after that, I go, okay, now I you know, know what, what I'm dealing with. And so I, I would tell, now I tell players, look, you know, and I, I've said it before on the microphone, is that when I run a game, I go, you can look at the monster all you want, but I, I as a GM, have the right to change the monster and what abilities they have and what their susceptibilities are. And if, you know, as long as I am consistent in that sense, then that's that's my prerogative that I have to do that. But uh, this person was really insistent that the monster couldn't do what I said it was doing. And then finally he let it go. But it was funny that as soon as the scene was over, he, <laughs> he grabs the monster manual. It was 3.5. He grabs the monster manual and he goes, oh, you're right. <laughs> I go, yeah, thank you. I'm right. I did so, read the monster before yes. I played it. So there's that, right? And that, that could be really annoying. There's, I mean, that's rules lawyers, but it's also metagaming. That's what rules lawyers are. They're, 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 you know, use, they're, they're using the rules of the game to try to get an edge or maintain uh, an advantage on you. And the funny thing is that I don't run those kind of games. So, so I don't, you know, I'm not an adversarial GM. I've, like I said, I've, I don't think I've killed a, a person so maybe once and I did do it on purpose. I've never had a total party kill. I don't run those kind of games. Sure. If I ran a game for a bunch of people who, who wanted to have that total party kill experience i could do that anybody could do that you put a monster in front of a, a group of people that's super powerful and it could lay waste to any kind of party you want and you're the gm you could do anything you want you know right so to me that's not part of why i run games i'm running games because people have fun testing their combat testing whatever they're doing whatever they want out of the game and have fun you know total party kill for most people is probably not a fun event unless you're playing call of cthulhu then you ask for it because you're playing call of cthulhu well, and it's very disruptive to have a, a rules lawyer or a, a metagamer doing that, right? Yeah, oh, well, arguing. I know that you, I know that that can't be right because, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, yes. And, you know, and I, and I, we've talked about that, why we think rules lawyers exist, you know. Uh, but but why there's a young rules lawyer, you know, who never played back in the Gygaxian era of adversarial GMing? I don't know. Maybe. Well, that also has to do with they want the, the game to be fair. Oh, they yeah. doesn't have they, they may not have come up against a or grew up with adversarial GMs or anything like that, but they they feel that everything should be fair. If if I can only do these things, then your monster can only do these things because I read it in the book. Okay. And <laughs> so so they're young. They're gonna have to learn that 
monsters aren't always the way they appear to be in the book, right? Yeah, the scribe can, who wrote that book was could have been wrong. wrong. And wrong. GMs, dungeon masters, game masters, people in charge of their world can up a monster's ability, down a monster's ability, do whatever they want with the yeah. monster Gil- to make it to gear it towards the party that that is fighting it Give right a special ability so so if you know that you have somebody and and Saul is notorious for doing things like this like if if you know that somebody has a low will will save role you know that somebody is not going to be able to make a charisma role he will he will put things in front of you that you're either going to need to run away from or you're going to be held or you're <laughs> going to fall down and not be able to do anything during that scene just because he knows that because it, because you're so powerful that when you do hit them, you do 90 points of damage, right? So, and he does this because the kids are, are incredibly powerful fighters, whatever, whatever role they pick, pick, wizard, fighter, rogue. And they always can, they always have their, they, they mini max everything, right? So, so as a GM, when you're playing with those kind of people, sometimes you have to adjust things. So, so that it gives them more of a, a good experience, right? so that they they are surprised right well you ran into this uh running the last few couple <clears throat> sessions they were you know you realize that these player characters like these characters are really powerful and they're only like 10th or 11th level but they they bring such a, a kind of whoop ass on things that it's hard to gauge you know because when you put monsters in front of them that they can can't kill in one or two rounds those monsters are doing a hell of a lot of damage right and if you and not everybody's mini-max, you know, mix-max, whatever you want to call it. You know, my, my character isn't. So he only has, like, 80 hit points. And, you know, when you're dealing 55 hit points, that's more than half my character. My, my, my... But it's really hard to hit your character because he's got a high uh, armor it's class. It's the only thing I got going for me. And it's not even that high anymore. It's really frustrating, too. But... Because... <laughs> oh, my God. It's no, I'm, never gonna, I'm never going to hit him. It's still the, and you have hit me, though. That's, yeah, I know. And, and when you hit me for a, a huge amount of points, I'm not... I couldn't take another blow like that. I mean, that would go down instantly. I, I'm I'm always I don't I don't want to kill my my son or my or his friends. But right? me, no problem. <laughs> well, Saul and, and Steve they they they're pretty you good. They're it. not gonna cry, right? I just, I, um, I try not to kill my friends, but you know, in this last in this last um couple of adventures that I ran, what I did was I went online and I I went to a site where you could make your own dungeon, <laughs> and you could put in the level of the characters, and then it it, it popped out these monsters. The first time I did it, they were way too powerful. So I redid it a little bit. And these were monsters that that, that that they had never come across before. And it was, during the game, it was the most thrilling thing was the metagamers in them. Yeah. The, the three boys were like, there was the first the first session, I had these um, these drow priestesses that, oh, and there was something else. Uh, either was, a demon or something. Special, it was a spectral yeah. like a giant or troll or whatever it was. And you could only you could only do it. It had special things that, if you hit it with, it would be more, do more damage. Other than that, it was very resistant, so it was only half damage. So, I had to ask Ian to look at the monster because when I run these games with the kids, I make everything. I show them the picture. I make it as fair as possible. I put out the so because because they like that. They like the 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 knowledge a little bit of knowledge right yeah, yeah. so but I showed Ian I go Ian what does this mean and so he's reading it and he goes oh and then he's like 
oh my god now that i know this i can't i'm the only one who has this and i can't use it because i know it so he did such a good job of metagaming in his head and not using the the player knowledge versus the character knowledge right. right so that was like a he was so excited about it too and he was trying to he couldn't throw the spell that he needed to throw right yeah that was interesting. Oh, I didn't know what was going on there. I know he was uh, flummoxed for about something. He's like, ah. Oh. I'm like, oh, whatever. And I was playing my game over here. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a test. Everybody got worried. You know, people were down. You know, quite a few people in the party were were one hit away from being knocked out of the battle. So, so it was a very good game. We did a really good job. And then with the with the boys, the, the last one, they came across these things that had a lot of hit points. And these guys Augustine and, and Alan deal ridiculous amounts of damage. Yeah. And when you do hit them, they usually take half damage because they have all kinds of whatever. Well, one was a rogue with uncanny dodge, so he could dodge a lot of stuff, and and then he could take like half or no damage, and and the the barbarian has resistance to like everything except for like radiant damage or something. <laughs> so, so, so it's kind of ridiculous. So they were like, they were when the they're like. They talked, they looked at each other, they both got this look on their face like, we could die. And that's like a, it's like a, they were like, got all excited because they're like, oh, it's okay. And Alan even said, it's okay if you kill somebody in the party, we can raise them up again. We have a paladin with us. Well, and, I can't raise anybody, it was the cleric, but the cleric hadn't rested, so I think the... The cleric was the one that was down. Yes. So, he, but Alan was, he goes, it's okay. And then when I, he goes... It does how much damage? And and he goes, I, I did like something like forty something damage. And Alan goes, okay, I take 12, 12 damage or something like that. So, but they were very excited because they didn't know they had never run into the monster. Right. They are notorious monster manual readers. Yeah, yeah. And all the monsters, I I had never heard of them. And they were really really powerful. But the group is really really powerful yeah. also. So it was a very interesting experience it was very well balanced as they say the even though they were metagaming at the table with each other right what could we do if, if it's not going to take this damage what is it going to be this damage and i did have trolls that you couldn't because you couldn't kill because once they were down they could regenerate right right they were spirit trolls so it was an interesting oh those guys those guys were pain the ass so there is metagaming can be good Met, metagaming most likely is most likely bad yes but there are times when it's useful or it, it, it can enhance the experience for the players because they know things, but they don't know what they can do to, right. to, to defeat it, right? Well, like you said, the, the, the bringing out of or, or spotlighting other players is, <laughs> I was thinking, is, you know, beneficial to the group, right? If you're trying to, you know, bring out a shy player. I mean, I had never thought of that, and that's a good thing. So there is the good, the bad, and the ugly of metagaming. So most likely, you're not going to want to metagame in your games. Not too much. Yeah. GMs don't usually like it. No. It breaks the immersion. Right. And annoys people. Yes. But there you go. <laughs> I didn't know there was any good either to it, but I did research and found articles that yeah. made us think. To support that. So this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day. Bye.